until there's clear, compelling evidence to the Fed. I mean, forget what the rest of us at market participants might say. Until there's clear, compelling evidence to Powell and the rest of the Fed that inflation is now going to start uh, coming down, they're not going to change course. Special coverage of the New Orleans Investment Conference is brought to you by Victoria Gold, leading Yukon's new gold rush. Welcome back to the New Orleans Investment Conference, SF Live on site, special coverage, and we're joined by Mike Larson. Mike, great to have you on. You're the co-editor of the Safe Money Report, the chief editor of um, The Money Show. Okay. Yep, fantastic. That's right. That's right. Thanks for coming on. You're great. a speaker here at the conference. First time we're meeting. It's yeah, awesome. It, Appreciate it, is, it. It is wonderful. I love you know that we're back in person doing these events again. So <laughs> it's good to see some new faces as well. Correct. We haven't had a chance to catch up before, yeah. so really appreciate it. Um, you've been here all week, yeah. all week meaning since Wednesday. <laughs> um, what are some of the impressions you have? Sure. I mean, it seems like it's a great crowd here. You know, we're, we're in this market environment where gold and silver and some mining shares have struggled. Let's be honest. You know, it's been the, the U.S. dollar rising so much has put pressure uh, and kept, I think, a lot of metals uh, investments doing where I think they would otherwise be going were it not, or you know, given the inflationary backdrop, the concerns about government debt and so on. Um, but in any event, great crowd. You know, great speakers. Brian does a fantastic job with the New Orleans conference. I've been coming here for years, uh, and you know, I, I, lo I love again. I love being back in person. You know, we had that COVID period where you couldn't do it, but now it's you know it's back to the, the, the conference I've known and loved. Exactly. Well, you, you gave away a bit of the themes, but is there a particular buzzword that sort of stuck out to you that you've heard over and over and over again? Sure. I think, you know, it's been currency questions, right? It's been, you know, the Fed. It's been inflation. I mean, really, this sort of like like triple-barreled uh, level of concern for the markets and for precious metals investors, you know, uh, with the rising dollar, with an aggressive Federal Reserve when it comes to interest rate hikes, and with the inflation, you know, backdrop that we're all in, including the lousy numbers we got this week. Um, you know, that's what's dominating market action. That's what people are talking about, and rightfully so. Yeah. What are some of the ideas, like sort of recession investing is a bit early maybe because we're officially not in a recession yeah. yet, right? <laughs> um, but some of the ideas and themes that you're looking at as well, because your title of the presentation is Save Money Investing in an Unsafe World. Yeah. Run us through the key takeaways there. Sure, absolutely. I mean, if you look at what's been, when you look at the broad averages, I mean, it's been a very hard market for technology and many sort of like economic growth sensitive cyclical sectors. Uh, you look at what's been working best and what I you know, anticipate continuing to work best, it's those safe money sectors. It's those defensive sectors. It's things like utilities, consumer staples, dare I say boring stocks <laughs> and sectors. No. Um, you know, they're not the most exciting companies out there, but they're the ones that are holding value better. They're the ones that give you dividend protection and stability in a market that, in an economic environment that's clearly unsafe. I mean, this is a, a no. treacherous market environment, uh, the likes of which we haven't seen in quite some time. I was going to ask you a definition of an unsafe world. Like, do you, do you only describe it to markets or like sort of what's the definition for you of unsafe wealth? Well, sure. In, in this day and age, unfortunately, it's not just markets and economics, it's geopolitics. I mean, we still are at war in Eastern Europe and with pretty much no end in sight there. Uh, we've seen some fallout or some fall on uh, you know, impacts from that on oil prices and, and other commodities that uh, with Russia kind of cut out of the market, it's put those in tight supply and, and help contribute to inflation. Um, and then, of course, from a, a safe money investment standpoint, look at what's happening in credit markets. Look at what's happening in the stock market. I mean, you're seeing downward pressure on assets. You're seeing increased spreads, credit risk spreads. And in that environment, as an investor, you have to play more defensive. You have to be more conservative if you're going to preserve capital. 
How do you see this whole scenario playing out? It seems like we're in a in a race to higher for higher rates, interest rates. Sure. Do you see a ceiling, for example, there? You know, the Fed consistently has been behind the curve in this environment. I mean, you know, we ho we heard the story of it being inflation being transitory, and it was all supply chain generated. You know, a year and a half ago, and now the Fed has done a complete 180. They're hiking interest rates at the most aggressive pace that we've seen in decades, really. Uh, and Chair Powell has pretty much made it clear that he's not going to, you know, take his foot off the brake when it comes to policy until he sees inflation evidence that it's coming down. Um, not just that it might come down or a forecast of it happening in a few months. He wants to see it in the here and now. And that's why we're going to continue to get you know aggressive rate hikes probably through the end of this year and bleeding over into 2023 as well. Do you see any cracks in the system? I think everybody's trying to <laughs> sniff out a Fed pivot. Yeah. Um, do you see any like signs, signals of that? Well, you know, you look at the government debt market, not just in the U.S. and, and what's happened with prices down and interest rates up. Uh, you look at what's happened in the U.K., for example, recently. Uh, you know, the, the, the U.K. Uh, central banks kind of lost control of the debt markets as a result of what they were doing on a policy uh, standpoint on the fiscal side. You have uh, emerging market debts, which have been under a lot of pressure and growth under pressure because of the rising dollar, the dollar-denominated debt pressure. So there are a lot of things that are starting to kind of, you know, bleed a little bit around the edges. Yeah. It's going to be a question of when that pain uh, gets bad enough to hurt the mainstream, you know, Main Street economy in the U.S. And when that happens, that's probably when you're going to get that pivot. And I think that's still a little bit in the future. Again, you know, what's happening overseas has to, you know, pivot back to the U.S. before Powell is going to take his foot off the brake. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, U.S. dollar is going to stay strong as well? Like, do you we know, keep, it, have to keep fighting the U.S. dollar as well? It is one big trade, right? When you have the, the U.S. central bank being essentially the most aggressive central bank when it comes to the degree to which they're raising rates and the pace at which they're raising rates, uh, if they continue, to, if the, the U.S. Fed continues to be in the lead, even though the Bank of England, the, you know, the European Central Bank are moving, they're not moving as aggressively. So it's going to be that relative trade. Uh, again, I think you lose that once there's some sign that the weakening we're seeing in key sectors like housing in the U.S. and so on spills over to the broad economy more, that's when you might get a pivot and that's when you might get a break in this just relentless dollar rally. Yeah. Well, U.S. dollar goes up, gold goes down. That seems to be the pair trade of the decade apparently, yeah. right? Um, do you see that changing at all? Like, do you see actually gold and U.S. dollar going up in tandem at some point? Well, you know, you have to look at the alternatives to gold when you're looking for safety, right? What, what is the main alternative that investment managers look at? Government debt. What's happened this year, and especially in the last few months, uh, government debt's gotten blown out of the water. And again, we're starting to see in the UK, for instance, government bonds trade like tech stocks. They're you know, incredible volatility. So I think you're going to see more institutional money begin to rotate into other traditional safe havens, and metals, precious metals are clearly a beneficiary of that. So you could see, yes, even if the dollar continues to rise, if you see more safe haven you know, insurance-seeking money going into gold, then that's going to be a beneficiary, and they could both rise, so absolutely. Now, what about other commodities? You hinted at oil and gas, but uh, let's say copper and nickel, zinc, yep. um, silver we haven't really talked about. Sure. Um, how does that factor in? You know, again, the big issue there, once you get out of the, the sort of pure precious metals play like gold, you get into silver, which has that industrial component. You get into copper, which again is purely industrial and so on. There are economic concerns and, and not just, you you know, concerns about a potential or, on, you know, even a recession already happening in the U.S. You have key issues like Chinese growth, what's happening in the real estate sector over there because China has been such a, a voracious consumer of commodities. Um, so I think 
if you have to say, you know, do I want to be more uh, invested in precious versus uh, base metals, I would lean towards precious because of that safety component, because of that insurance money that I think is probably going to be flowing into that part of the commodities market. Fantastic. Any like short-term outlook as well? Short-term, I mean, really next three months, the markets are so extremely volatile. I don't even dare ask you for 12 months anymore. <laughs> sure. I mean, again, you know, there, there were some hopes for a Fed pivot and you got that rally and then the, the latest inflation data sort of, you know, snuffed that out again. So I think it's going to be a rocky environment through year end at least. I mean, I don't, again, until there's clear, compelling evidence to the Fed, I mean, forget what the rest of us at market participants might say, until there's clear, compelling evidence to Powell and the rest of the Fed that inflation is now going to start uh, coming down, they're not going to change course. And I don't think that happens before the end of the year. Somebody asked, uh, guest before you, I think the Auden twins, or the twin <laughs> sisters, sure, I, sure. I asked, like, pivot is for me a very aggressive word. Yeah. Because it's a sudden change. Yeah. Right? Um, do you see a scenario where the Fed says, okay, four, four and a half percent, we're going to stay there for the next three years? Yeah. Is that a scenario that's possible? The Fed, I think, will has said and will continue to say that that's their plan. They are, you know, sort of in some speeches and comments trying to, to tamp down that idea that there's going to be a pivot. It's going to be more, we're going to get up to that level and we're going to stay there for a while. The problem with that line of thinking is if you look at pretty much every modern Fed hiking cycle, something does break, right? You get to the point where instead of, you know, let's just be able to keep rates at a high level, you know, you see in the last cycle, housing and mortgage market fell apart. And the cycle before that, the dot-com crash, you know, that had led to an economic recession or fueled that. So I don't think it's going to be a scenario where the Fed can keep rates high. I think what probably happens is you get, you know, a point where they stay high for a few months, but as things start to break, they're going to have to backtrack. I mean, that, that, that just seems like the pattern. It seems like it. Eh? We've seen that roughly in 2019, I think it was, where we had all of a sudden 2% and then back to zero. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. I mean, so. that's, that's the way these cycles have gone, and I think that's the way this cycle is going to go as well. Fantastic. Mike, fantastic conversation. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for taking the time. Great, thank it's you, great to Kai. meet you. Love to meet you as well. Fantastic. Everybody else, thank you so much for tuning in to SF Live. We're joined by fantastic Michael Larson. And uh, where can we find more about you? I forget to ask. Oh, sure, absolutely. You can go to www.moneyshow.com and see some of the efforts we do, um, some of the work that I do in terms of educating and empowering investors looking for new investment ideas and products and services. So that's definitely the best place to check out. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, make sure to follow us on YouTube, follow us on Twitter, hit that like and subscribe button, leave a comment. We want to hear from you as well and uh, share the video. It helps with the algorithm. Thank you so much.